0: Flats or heels? Actually, I do love both. I know you think I'm going to say flats (laughs) and actually, no, I think I will say flats,
1: (laughs) but I like heels too. Overriding. Yeah. Yeah. Hello and welcome to The Joyful Drinker, a podcast for anyone that drinks that wants to drink a little less. I'm your host, Ellie Webb, and I believe that if we all drank a little less each week, we'd all feel a whole lot better honest conversations and real life stories i'm on a mission to uncover the benefits of taking a few more alcohol-free days each week by sharing my guests own perspectives on balance and moderation i hope we can all take away some inspiration and learn from the powerful habits they picked up along the way if you're curious about the benefits that balanced drinking can bring to your week then pour yourself a glass of something tasty and let's meet today's guest. I'm here today with Flora Beverley, a food and fitness blogger and seasoned trail runner and ultra marathon runner who now lives in Bristol, which is actually my favourite city where I've lived for the last eight years. You can find Flora by following her Instagram account at foodfitnessflora. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So Flora, you're training for an ultra marathon at the moment, aren't you? How is that going? I certainly am. Um, my first ultra marathon this year,
0: as we record, is in just over a week. I think it's in about ten days. Um, I am terrified. It's a distance I've done a couple of times before. It's fifty kilometres, so it's yep. about as short as an ultra marathon gets. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's not daunting, and no. as my first race this year and I'm also self coaching at the moment, um it will be a bit of an experiment, um, but it's a local one to Bristol. It's a nice way to kind of explore around uh the kind of countryside around Bristol and so I'm really excited
1: yeah, I can imagine doing those ultra marathons I mean they're long and they're hard and they're arduous, but you do get the whole point is you get to explore and you get to see things that you wouldn't normally see which I can imagine in some sense, is enjoyable, but also you are putting yourself (laughs) through quite a gruelling challenge. I mean, it's actually one of the reasons why
0: I first started doing ultra marathons is is because I love the outdoors so much. And I, I started with hiking. I think a lot of people who do ultra marathons tend to come from road running and I did to an extent but really my first um, forays into the ultramarathoning world was through doing hikes and just getting impatient and just running the downhills and, and walking the uphills and sometimes running the flats, sometimes walking. I mean it, it's never about time, it's just about exploring and and that's one of the things I love about it because road running can get really competitive and very specific with timings yeah. and distances and paces and with trail runs you can't compare times or paces or anything like that because they're all so different you know going through the scottish highlands in a bog is going to be quite different to running um a nice flat path in the lake district or you know in the south coast so yeah it's it's all it's all just about having fun and exploring
1: yeah i liked what you said there when you said started with hiking and then actually you get impatient with it you don't (laughs) want to run it i am a really (laughs) naturally impatient person (laughs) i was gonna That was gonna actually what i was gonna ask you are you impatient because um I do, I do a lot of walking, a lot of hiking, so maybe one day I will um, I'll find myself doing an ultra. Um, this marathon. is my goal. By the end of this podcast, if you could please sign up to an ultra, we'll just do it here on the sofa. Give me a nice easy one, like yeah. a casual 50k. We'll get you signed up. <laughs> TBC, guys, TBC on, on whether that happens or not. But I am, I am ready to be inspired. I know quite a few people that train for marathons and it's tough. It requires a lot of hard work and commitment. What rules do you live by when you're training? I try to keep it 80% fun. Um, very important. Very important. <laughs> I fun. mean,
0: it is It is really tough and it's. it's always going to be tough. I mean, running is difficult. Like, no matter how good you are, you just get faster. And then it's the same amount of difficulty. You just do it faster. So it's always going to be tough. But if you can make that toughness enjoyable and if you can kind of lean into the discomfort, not in kind of a horrible way, but... But you get you kind of get used to it and it becomes enjoyable. Then if you can make 80 percent of it like that, then the other 20 percent that's just discipline and hard graft is manageable. And I think that's what people people struggle with. I think a lot of people think that training should tra- training requires motivation. And, and at the end of the day, if you rely solely on motivation, you're only going to get out the door once mm. or twice a week. And to run a marathon, you need to do quite a bit more than that. Yeah. And so I try to keep it mostly fun. And, and I do that by, you know, exploring different routes, going with new friends, uh, traveling to amazing places, having really nice times and nice views. Um, and then the interval sessions are literally around a concrete track. I put in my headphones, I blast out some music and I just get it done. They're not the fun bits, but actually the fun comes from from getting it done and, and being able to pat yourself on the back for, yeah. for just going out there and doing it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can imagine it's a bit like, it's not a tick box, but it sounds like the intervals is a bit of a tick box and actually with the more maybe exciting, adventurous trails, you're allowing yourself a bit of a treat and you can enjoy it and maybe look forward to it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And by mixing in like races as well, that's quite fun because... I personally am a very competitive person so so being able Always to do <laughs> exactly being able to do some of my training as, as races means that I don't have to worry about the route I don't have to worry about like planning uh, pit stops all that kind of stuff because they've set it all out for you and so you get to explore a new place and and just kind of have fun with it and go with the flow
1: and I'm interested when it comes to you know things like food and drink, do you really have to limit yourself when it comes to what you eat and what you're drinking when you're training? Um, I would say l- limiting
0: is sort of the opposite of what I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that I discovered about both marathon and ultramarathon training is that you almost need to force yourself to eat constantly right. because it is so tough on the body and to be able to recover properly which you need to do because you're running frequently and and your body's getting through calories really quickly just on the day-to-day even if you're not even running your body is getting through those calories just to repair the muscles and stuff Um, you need to be eating a lot of food having said that I do try to be I try to be a bit mindful about what I'm eating that doesn't mean restricting myself but it means making sure that I do get in enough protein I do get in my carbs within 30 minutes of getting back from a long run or an interval session and I've got various kind of quote-unquote rules yeah. to do with that but it's less to do with limiting and more just remembering to eat actually yeah, so <laughs> yeah. it's the opposite
1: problem really yeah like,
0: I've got to eat now yeah exactly I need to put
1: more calories in into my body yeah and,
0: just a load. and it's such a change in mindset from I think what a lot of road running is but But also, you know, just general um, women's health, quote unquote, in the whole industry, it's quite often like, what should I cut out from my diet? And being able to do ultra training requires you to not cut things out and to actually add things in. Um, And that's such a shift in mindset, and that's one of the reasons why I love it so much because Mm. you're not restricting yourself, and it's not, it's not requiring you to do less and to be less if anything it requires you to do more eat more be more <laughs> recover harder yeah. like all I mean, this it's
1: full on it sounds full on um and what about when it comes to drinking i mean imagine you have to drink loads and loads of water just mm-hmm. to keep yourself hydrated what if you know people are going out for drinks during the week will you join or you know, what's your relationship like with things like alcohol like
0: i said like i don't really limit myself um on anything including alcohol but I also very very rarely drink to excess. Um, my yeah. relationship with alcohol has shifted considerably since I was younger. Um, I mean, I could drink a lot more when I was younger without any <laughs> negative side effects, yeah. um, without like problem. Yeah, <laughs> and then we exactly. A bit older, we're like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, right. so I am a bit more sensible now. But at the same time, it's not like I, I, I don't want to drink loads. So yeah. it's very easy for me just not to do that. Um, so I drink non-alcoholic spirits of all varieties during the week um, and at weekends, depending on how much training I have on what I fancy doing, you know, whether I'm going out with friends, Um, I just sort of go with the flow. I don't set myself any hard and fast rules. It's just about like what I fancy, but I definitely do drink. I drink probably about two or three times a week, but that might just be one glass of wine or one gin and tonic or something like that.
1: And that's, you know, with this podcast being, the joyful drinker, we, we're sort of advocating for that, is kind of taking everything in moderation, just having a bit of that balance so that you feel that you can go out and, and run that marathon and, and train for that marathon and do all the things you want to do because yeah. you're not feeling groggy and yeah, not as productive the next day. I mean, a lot of people feel like they're less productive during the week when they drink. And I can imagine for you, that's not an option, especially mm. when you're training. What's your experience? Would you agree with that? You kind of talked about how when you were younger, you would drink a lot. Now, not so much. You have a bit yeah. more of a balanced approach.
0: One thing I have noticed, especially recently, is that when I drink, uh, whether it's during the week or at weekends, my recovery is really limited. And that hasn't been a problem recent uh, up until recently because my training's not been that intense. Yeah. But now when my training is sort of peaking out at how many miles per week and then I'm also going to the gym like you say, it's not really an option to have a down day. And also it just makes training so much more painful. It's not like I don't do the training. It's just far worse. And, and, you know, you slog it out, you do it, but it's not very fun. And that's where the sort of slight bit of self-control, like I would like to have this now, but actually I know that tomorrow I've got 26 kilometers to run or, you know, an interval session and, I know that it's going to be much more painful than it needs to be if I have an extra couple of glasses. Yeah. So I'm just not going to do that. So I'll switch to non-alcoholic or just drink water or whatever.
1: And that takes that takes some self-control, really. Because <laughs> you're almost going, I'm not going to have this instant gratification mm. of, I want that drink because I know the effect it's going to have on me the next day. And that takes quite a lot of yeah. self-awareness. <laughs> yeah,
0: really. no, it, it, it does. Um, also, it's just been a case of... Kind of practicing, you know. Yeah. Now I almost do it automatically. I don't. I don't necessarily have to think about it. I just know that after a certain time, it's just habit that keeps me reaching for another drink. Yes. Whereas actually, I don't necessarily even want another drink. So something in my brain will just go, "Okay, that's enough.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we'll stop there." I know the answer to this, but are you an early riser? Well, I know that you would be because that's part of the training: getting up early, crack of dawn, and, and kind of going out and, and going for a run. But if you Have had a few drinks before. Do you find that it also it's not just your productivity the next day, but does that affect your sleep as well?
0: Oh yeah. Again, it's not really something I noticed till recently. So I might sleep enough hours, but I wake up feeling really unrested. And you know, all the science backs that up. It basically says you don't sleep very well, even if you sleep the right amount of hours. You're not getting the right type of sleep, Um, and that's really interesting because I never really noticed that up until like until recently and I guess that's an age thing it's really depressing at the age of 26 suddenly I feel really old
1: <laughs> you're not and really like, old by the way no but my
0: body's response to me putting it through the ringer used to be kind of like up and at it again and now it's kind of like screw you Flora
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing, not doing that well, again now with all of the smart watches I watch uh, Fitbit now Garmin you've got infinite amounts of ways to track your sleep and, and not just that you're sleeping but like you say the type of sleep you're getting deep sleep and, and all sorts we've got access to everything just at a touch of a button so yeah. we can see.
0: although I have to say since finding out that learning that your sleep is bad makes you feel more tired I try not to look at it when I know that I've had a bad night's sleep really? if I look at my watch and it tells me yes you are right you had a bad night's sleep I feel so much more tired than if I just okay. get on with my day it's really funny the data aren't necessarily that helpful sometimes it's better not to know
1: exactly ignorance is sometimes bliss Mm. yeah I I can get on board with that (laughs) (laughs) what would you say to people out there currently training who have maybe set themselves a goal to run a marathon or a half marathon or maybe even an ultra marathon any key advice just having been through through that journey yourself Oh my goodness. Um, Well, first of all, congratulations. (laughs) Signing
0: up for the race is the first step. And by doing that, you're putting yourself out there and it can be really daunting. And so I just want to say congrats (laughs) for that first step, for taking that. Otherwise, I think you just need to take everything in your stride and be kind to yourself. I think a lot of people start a training plan and want to stick to it stringently. And of course, like if you want to get the results you have to put in the work, but at the end of the day, you know your body best. And if your body is telling you to take a break and actually just do a recovery run or to have a complete rest day, but you've got in, you know, 18 miles, see if you can switch around your days to be able to listen to your body and maybe do that long run, The next day after a good rest, or split it up into two different runs. That's a perfectly valid way of training as well. And that's something I didn't realize with my first marathon. I only had two months to train. 10 weeks overall, which is not recommended, by the way. I really would not recommend don't doing that. that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> and I was so stressed about the 26.2 miles that I stuck to my plan so rigidly that I ended up getting injured and then running through injury. And that's that was more of an issue than actually starting the race undertrained because I started the race with two gammy knees which meant that eight kilometers in both my knees went and the rest of the race was hell and I don't <laughs> don't say that to scare anyone but just it's something that I've learned over the last few years of training is like you know your body best and it's you know don't beat yourself up if you miss a training session or if you have to adjust it slightly to suit how you feel and and similarly if you feel really great then like by all means add on a couple of kilometers or go a little bit faster in that last rep you just have to be sensible you learn along the way as well so you know everyone makes mistakes at the beginning of their running journey I know that I do I still am I've not been running for all that long in my life so I'm still making mistakes but so long as you learn from them they're not really mistakes
1: well that's it you've I think you said it best that as long as you learn from them and you know what to do differently, you're going to make mistakes and you have to make mistakes because that's important. If I apply that to business and and what I do and and running a company, the same as you, I sort of treat every day as it comes and and go, today actually I'm really not feeling it and so I give myself a bit of a task that doesn't require as much effort and thought because I know that I can't commit to it and then other days you'll wake up and go, I'm so ready to take on today And I'm gonna smash through as as many things as I possibly can and get through that to-do list. But you're right, it's gotta be the right mindset.
0: Yeah. A great example of that actually was Storm Eunice recently, where I was supposed to be going out and doing twenty-seven kilometers. And I was like, I might actually die. Yeah. (laughs) And so I I didn't. I did like a quick ten K in the morning and then I went out again the next day when the wind had settled down a little bit. Old me would have got so upset at myself for not being able to do that, but it was completely out of my control. And it's the same with if you feel a little bit overtrained or if you feel a little bit ill or just generally exhausted, it's it's out of your control feeling like that. But what is in your control is how you respond to it. Exactly. I'm
1: with you. I feel like... as. As the years go on, it's okay to just give yourself a bit of a break and go, I don't have to be this productive. I don't have to do it all. I don't have to rigidly stick to my plan. I can deviate and that's okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, the kind of phrase that summarises all of that is like rest is productive. You don't rest so that you can be productive.
1: Rest is the productive thing. Do you find it helpful having bigger goals and obviously runs to work like having big goals like the ultra marathon is that is that what really works for you, almost having? And then I guess they break down into, I'm going to do a smaller run and, and build up to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I spent quite a lot of time running for fun, which I love. Mm. And that's really when the, you get the miles in your legs and your legs sort of get used to just ticking over from run to run. Yeah. Um, and that's great. But... In order to really push myself, I need to give myself a really scary goal. To be honest, I find most races quite scary, whether they're five kilometres or fifty kilometres or 125 kilometres. They're all scary. And I like to have that little bit of a kick up the ass to to, <laughs> to get out the door. Um, yeah. and I I will I think I'll always need that, whether I whether I love running or not, sometimes you need that end goal to be able to break it down into weekly training. I find running much more rewarding when I have that goal. And also when I have like a weekly schedule, I really enjoy that, that kind of process of working towards something. And you know, when I get, when I make or get a schedule, um, a training program to work towards, I'll look four weeks down the line and be like, there's no way I can do that week. And then you get to that week and you get to the end of it and you're like, oh my God, I did it. And four weeks ago, I thought that I wouldn't be able to do that. That's one of the most rewarding because
1: you know how much life. progress
0: you've made. And you exactly. Think- I think your mind is so much more limiting than your body ever Absolutely. is. And there's this thing called the um, central governor theory, I think by a guy called um, Tim Noakes. Um, and it basically states that your brain quits, which will force your body to quit. So your wow. brain quits 10 times before your body ever does. It's a, a phrase that like loads of people have said. And then, uh, you know... Um, Nimsdai the guy the Nepali guy who who climbs all those mountains you know 14 peaks he said um (laughs) when you think you're you're probably only 45 percent and it's so true it really is and that's your brain quitting long before your body ever does and by having those big end goals your brain doesn't quit because if you're a goal-oriented person like I am you're so focused on that end goal that that you just keep going until until you get it. And you don't necessarily get it first time. Like last year, I was working towards a sub 20 minute, five kilometer race. Wasn't really a race, it was by myself, but you know, time trial. And I worked for eight weeks or 10 weeks or something towards it. And I did the run and I got 20 minutes and 16 seconds. And I was furious with myself, but then I suddenly thought, actually that's more than a minute PB. Yeah. more than a minute off my previous time and then I went back two weeks later in secret and I did it and I got 19 minutes 57 wow. and well done. so that's <laughs> that whole thing about having an end goal and you kind of yeah. keep working at it until you get it and not yeah. beating yourself up too much about not getting it the first time because these things do take time and sometimes your body's not ready sometimes it's just not your day and you go back and you can get it done some other time it's very rewarding exactly that's so
1: interesting looking at it From that, from that different angle and that perspective, which I think a lot of people probably don't. Some people we've spoken to on the podcast have talked about visual, like really visualizing their goal. And I don't know if it's something you do, but I think it works for some people, like actually seeing yourself run that that marathon and that track. And yeah,
0: absolutely. And and for me, more than anything, it's about getting that excitement because I love racing. I really enjoy it. I love the places I go and exploring. And by visualising myself doing that race that I've wanted to do for so long, gets me really excited about the training because I know that the training
1: is what's going to allow me to enjoy that race day itself.
0: So I guess the
1: podcast is called The Joyful Drinker because we want people listening to have a joyful relationship with not just drinking but also day-to-day lifestyle and, and reaching for the goals and, and doing the things they want to be able to do. What are the three things that bring joy to you each week
0: okay so I'm a massive believer in sort of it's the small things you know every day really small stuff that just makes you happy there are lots of big things that also make me happy but I like gratitude like I like being grateful for the tiny things okay so so (laughs) my first one which is something I'm genuinely excited to go back home for is seeing my dog in the window as soon as she hears the gate squeak you just she's called Tia she's an amazing rescue puppy Dog. She's giant. She's like 24 kilos. <laughs>
1: she's,
0: not <puppy laughs> she's not a puppy. You see her whole bum waggling and like her whole body is oscillating with like excitement to see me at the gate. Nothing and, beats that. Oh my god, it's the Nothing best thing. Even that. just coming back home from a run that's like 20 minutes long, she sees me at the gate and she's like oh my god, I haven't seen you in so long. And then she comes <laughs> running to the door and then just, oh my god, it's adorable. Yeah. And I don't make any effort to like stop her from jumping up. There are loads of these dog training um, programs that say like don't make a massive fuss of your dog when you come yeah. in the door because you'll make them like anxious for when you leave i cannot help myself i get so excited so
1: <laughs> i also try and stick to that rule and it's so hard it's
0: impossible <laughs> like why have a dog if you don't want to say hi to
1: them when you walk in the house and they've made such an effort exactly to come to <laughs> so <laughs>
0: genuinely not? i don't know who's more excited than me or tia but like <laughs> we have matching energy
1: that's that's a great one enjoy
0: anything else yes um getting outside getting in nature um, there's a running theme no pun intended um, in this that I just love being outdoors I love listening to the birds I spent a lot of lockdown learning what all the different bird songs sounds like and knowing who's singing oh. at any one time I'm a
1: biologist yeah. so it's what's like, the most interesting I heard I heard a cuckoo uh, a few months ago which was re- really where? where it was in the Brecon Beacons oh. in the of nowhere the dream. and I yeah Okay,
0: and so really special, we don't I, get cookies in Bristol. No, no, I don't think we do. Um, but we do get song thrushes. This podcast taken a nerdy turn,
1: but... I know, I'm all for it. I loved it. Okay about what's bring, bringing you joy. Okay, so great. So it. I
0: can nerd out. Okay, great. So song thrushes are from the blackbird family. Oh, yeah. Well, thrush family, but blackbirds are in the same family. And um, they have various different calls and they do them sort of in a loop on repeat. Mm-hmm. They can also mimic. So you get song thrushes mimicking other bird calls. So I heard one the other day that was mimicking an owl. So I was like, oh, there's an owl and a song thrush in that tree. But no, it was just a song thrush mimicking a tawny owl's hoot. Um, so it was really cool and then we heard one the other day as well mimicking, which is less nice um, a siren, like an ambulance siren and it sounded like a really electronic siren on someone's phone like someone was playing a recording of it but it was actually a bird which you could view as being really sad that, you know, nature is taken over by sounds of sirens or you could see it as really cool (laughs) like nature kind of adapts and picks up on these things and I thought that was really cool but what I think is
1: quite cool is These are sounds that are happening all the time, Mm -hmm. every day. And it's only when you tap into them that you can really
0: hear it. Yeah, like I've always been interested in nature and birds and anything nerdy. But it wasn't until lockdown that, you know, so many people were saying, oh my God, the birds are really loud. And I thought, actually, I don't think the birds are any louder. I think it's just that we've stopped for a second, stop to take, and we can take note of them. And then, and, and now people are realizing, like, oh my god, nature's really cool. Like, how did you not know this before? But, been but here all no, yeah, exactly. But no <laughs> yes. one takes a step back to notice it. I think runners are very good at doing just that because we spend so much time in the great outdoors yeah. that you do pick up on these things if you're not if you're not got music. Blasting into your headphones, no, exactly. And sometimes yeah. it's nice just to
1: take them out and listen to, to what's going on around you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and probably a last small happiness is, oh, I guess, going out into my garden is pretty much going out into nature. But we built our garden. It's very rewarding to see how it now looks compared to how it looked just over a year ago when we first moved in. So yeah, progress. Exactly. I get really excited a bit of to a like de- look de- at it.
1: De-rupper. was it? A the
0: garden of- was a bit of a blank slate. Um, it was like a boggy grassy slope Uh, you couldn't go into it because you'd fall over it was just like mud basically not what you want from
1: a garden it (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't ideal
0: (laughs) but I mean we're lucky to have a garden obviously I come from London (laughs) and so I never had a garden before and then we moved out to Bristol and suddenly we got this garden and we put in so much effort look I think it took us like six months to do the whole garden Um, and we put in so much effort and so just
1: going out there and like
0: spending some time there is is really important to me
1: yeah especially now where we're all at home so much and and there's kind of you know remote working flexibility and we are spending so much more time in our homes it's important that you can you can enjoy it yeah I'm gonna ask one last question actually which is a bit of a wild card
0: Mm -hmm, nervous
1: (laughs) Although I kind of feel like it's similar to the last one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What three things, and they can be people, objects, anything, what three things could you not live without? Probably not allowed to say my dog again. (laughs) You can say your dog. No, I'm not going to say my dog. (laughs) The dog will be very pleased if it's been mentioned (laughs) twice. Okay, three (laughs) things. The first
0: three that come to mind. My friends. I've just spent the last three days with a friend and it's been the nicest thing. I think I haven't seen her in four months or something so
1: important yeah it's so so important important. we chat every
0: day but it's not the same as seeing them and so I put friends quite high on that list then running actually I could live without running Okay, so I'm going to say exercise in general. Running is not the only sport I've ever done. In fact, I only really started doing it in 2018. So uh, previously I did boxing. Yeah. I've done a couple of boxing fights, which is really fun. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's so cool. I want to learn. It's <laughs> so great. Um, and then I played swa- squash before that. And, you know, I've kind of like cycled, so to speak, sports. It's really about the sports.
1: The movement and just exactly. getting out and... Exactly. Moving talent,
0: myself so. and challenging myself. Yeah. Exactly. And the last one will probably be music. Any kind of music? Well, I'm a classically trained singer. So, probably
1: classical so many music. Talents <laughs> so many talents. That I'm was like my it. whole
0: childhood was just singing, basically. But I love jazz. I love piano music. I love all sorts. I, I just have a really eclectic music yeah. taste. Just music in general just makes me very happy.
1: Brilliant. So, friends, exercise, and music. Yeah. That's three things couldn't live without i was going to be so shallow i would have said coffee (laughs) (laughs) i could really do without drinking coffee i need to cut (laughs) coffee out of my life completely thank you so much flora those were all my questions you've been brilliant and i've been so interested to learn more about what it takes to not just run a marathon but also train and complete an ultra which you've got coming up very very soon so best of luck with that and thank you so much for being on the Joyful Drinker podcast thank you Thank you. you've been listening to the Joyful Drinker hosted by me Ellie Webb there'll be a new episode released every fortnight so make sure you hit that subscribe button to avoid missing out also just a small reminder that ratings and reviews really help people discover great podcasts so if you've got some kind words to share they'd be very much appreciated In the meantime, come and find me on socials. I'm at Ellie. I'd love to connect with you all and feedback on the podcast is always welcome. See you next time for another episode of The Joyful Drinker. And remember, if we all drank a little less each week, we'd all feel a whole lot better.